the BBC Essex Gardening Hour with Ken Crowther. Hello and welcome to the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast, which you can download for free on the BBC Essex website. That's bbc.co.uk slash bbcessex. Some of the questions that uh, I answered this week were about everything from bananas, how to spray and what to spray apple trees with and stop little bugs getting in your apples, dahlias, had they rotted off in the ground, and even planting a new fruit tree. I think it was a discovery tree he was going to grow. I'll tell you what, that's a lovely apple. The BBC Essex Gardening Hour with Ken Crowther, every Saturday from 11. Well, before we get to your gardening questions, I'm going to bring you a few ideas of things you could be getting on with in the garden in the next week or so. And I'm going to start off with something funny enough. It's a reminder from last week, because I went to a garden this week where our guides were doing the edges on the lawns. Yes, finish off the edges on the lawns. Do that, get that done this week. The other one we haven't finished in another garden is, of course, fruit tree pruning. And it's a reminder that you've got about a month or so to still do that. But remember, if you're pruning fruit trees, only prune fruit trees that are apples or pears. No stone fruits at all. That isn't what you do at this time of year because they can contract uh, bacterial canker and like time things. So that, that's the sort of diseases that they could get. Fruit trees, what do we do with them this time of the year? Well, it's really about pruning them to shape, getting the shape good, you know, a nice shape that uh, is controllable, a height that you can pick your apples at, but more importantly, see that you actually uh, stop any rubbing branches, crossing branches in the middle, open up the middle of the tree so that the air and light gets into the middle of the tree, and any damaged wood, and I tell you what, there's a fair bit of damaged wood on trees this year, because of those two really nasty winds that we've had since Christmas. So they are fruit tree pruning, apples and pears. Get it done now before the spring and those buds start to burst. Talking of spring, have you ordered your seeds yet? Get out there and order your seeds. Look at the catalogues. Go online. Order seeds. Try things that are different. That's very important indeed. Try things that are different. Go on. Don't just grow what your dad grew don't just grow what you grew last year year before try something different as well and you'll surprise yourself i was just looking the other day at asparagus now asparagus i always used to grow you know all the normal one you know (sighs) what about pacific 2000 i'll tell you what it's a new hybrid variety but it is it's grown by commercial growers. It's very uniform and it's got fantastic flavour. So try it, Pacific 2000. Look out for that one and think about growing some asparagus. People tell you it's difficult. No, it isn't. You just need a good amount of soil that's in good condition and you can grow asparagus. It's as simple as that. So they are. Get that one done as well. Talking of ordering things, the East Anglian Potato Day is on on the 10th of Feb. Put it in your diary. It's uh, only on from 9.30 to 1.30, Mid-Suffolk Showground at Stonham Barnes. However, it's one of the few places that you can get 80 varieties of potato and you can buy them on a single tuber. And that's so important because most of them you're buying a net of something. So that's, you know, not as easy. So they are on the highest price for a tuber, because some of them are a bit rare, 17p. But 80 varieties. They are Mid-Suffolk Showground, Stone and Barnes, put it in your diary, Saturday the 10th for a potato day, 9.30 to 1.30. Talking of, uh, we talked about fruit trees, and don't forget you can also prune your fruit bushes this month. That's the current bushes, including white currant, red currant, and you want to do that, snip away dead, diseased and dying. It's the same thing as fruit tree pruning. So there are, there's a few things you can get on with in the garden, but don't trudge about on that lawn finishing those edges if it's too wet. And if it goes nice and dry, get the mower out and top it off. Ken Crowther, answering your gardening questions. This is BBC Essex. Let's go to the calls now. And we started by chatting with... Diane in St Lawrence. Good morning. Last week you were talking of rhubarb and I had to have some, so I've sent for it and it arrived yesterday in a pot, but it says 
plant out as soon as possible according to whether the weather conditions are suitable. <laughs> I don't know what to do. I like that. That's a real negative statement, isn't it? Yeah. Eh? Very yeah. negative, you know. Oh, but we don't know what the weather it should be to plant no. it, but you can plant it, but you can't plant it, depending on what goes on with it. Yeah, I r- the weather keeps changing, and I'm yeah. thinking, I don't want to kill it now. <laughs> it seems to have come from Perthshire in a pot. Right, so what rhubarb have you got? Which one? Victoria. Oh, that's a good. That, yeah, that's a good, good flavour. And in fact, it's got. Um, I think, if I remember rightly, uh, it's also got a good colour as well, which is rather nice. So, nice. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, the picture. Oh, if the picture's good, it must be all right. <laughs> now, the most important. Where are you going to plant it? You're growing it in the garden, are you? Yes, I'll put it somewhere in the garden. It says full sun. I don't know where how to do that because moving around but I'll find a place I think if you've got good amount of sun if a good yeah. chunk of the day has got sun it will be fine but the most important thing is that that ground is very rich and that is the important thing I don't know yeah. whether you know have you got homemade compost yes I've even got a horse so ah. I've got some, but it's well rotted. I won't be using the fresh stuff. You knew I was going to say that, didn't you? You, said, yeah. <laughs> you knew I was going to say, is it well rotted? Yeah. Well, dig that well into the ground underneath it as well. And then don't forget that when you plant it, just do a layer of it, not too close to the plant because you will put too much oh. around it you'll damage it but yes. put a bit round it as well they revel in it and oh, you good. i'm i'm really impressed that you went out and bought rhubarb after us talking so much about it last week well that's why exactly yes i just needed some <laughs> i'll have to i'll have to tell that tell the people who sell all these plants that i'm advertising for them without them yeah. realizing how about that Yes, but it <laughs> does say you can't really get much of a crop this year, but to wait no. until next year, well, that's fine. And I yeah. think I emphasise that as well that if mm. it does produce a mass of uh, stems, you're able to do a taster, but if not, leave well alone. All right? Yeah, yeah. so it's Let, just when to plant it, really. Now, today, after oh, the programme. Oh, it's right. it's lovely weather. Yeah. It's lovely weather out there. You can do it, no problem at all. Oh, thank you so much. I'll definitely do that today. All right, that's great. Thanks very much for your help. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks a lot. Okay. That's fine. All the best. That's Diane asking about... And Sheila in Pebmarsh, can you put your phone down? We've been trying to ring you back, but we can't. That's Sheila in Pebmarsh. Put your phone down. We'll give you a call and we can talk about it. We're going to Penny in Morden now. Hello, Penny. Hello. Hello, Ken. What what can Um, we do for you? My question is, um, we have uh, an elderly Bramley apple tree... Mm-hmm. Up to now, it has had a resident in every apple every year. Yeah. This year, we decided to do something about it. And uh, yesterday, it was given a, given a tree wash, thoroughly, thoroughly right. sprayed. Okay. Do we need to do anything else? Right. Well, firstly, <clears throat> the tree, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be a bit... The sprays that we're using today are not as quite as powerful as the ones that we used to use. We used to use tar wash, which was a fantastic thing. It got rid of everything. But today we haven't got tar washes. We've got a winter wash, which is good, but not as good. Like most things that we're using today, they're not as powerful as they used to be. Let's just leave it at that, shall we? Now, if they're getting bugs, yes, it is worth. And in fact, it's, uh, it's... it's the moth trap. It's worth having a moth trap as well. Uh, now, you put that on, you put that up in the tree. It's a pheromone trap, and you would use that um, at about the time when the apples are, are starting to just produce their flower as right. the flower comes out. Um, and there was, but I'm not sure whether it's still around, there was a spray that you could use just after petal fall but it depends on how big the tree is how big's the tree uh, well it's in a, it's in quite a small garden it's um i suppose about uh, 12 feet high oh you might be able to spray it so look out there was one that was a fruit and veg spray that you could yeah. use on apple trees i don't know whether that's come off this year some were coming off in november last year so have a look for that but if not definitely use a pheromone trap You'll see them. They're available in good garden centres. They're online. They're everywhere. And uh, you can uh, use those. If it's a very big tree, use a couple. If it's a medium-sized tree, just use one. But it will tell you on the packaging how much and what you've got to use. Is that all right? That's lovely. Thank you very much. That's, a, that's okay. Now, I'll tell you what. We're going to go to John in Shenfield now. Hello, John. Hello, Ken. Good morning to you. What are we talking about? 
plant I put in the garden four years ago. Yeah. Take me an hour to find the name of this on the internet, but I found it. It's the Mexican tequila, A-G-A-V-E, agave. Oh, it's an large, agave. That's it. Large, lethal plant. If you go near it, it goes, cuts you to bits. It's, it's got spikes clear. on it, hasn't it? And is, is it a variegated one or a plain green? Has it got yellow? Plain green. Yep. Beautiful plant, but what's happening now, the lower leaves, I call them leaves, but they're leaf, but they're like swords. Oh, I'm looking at it now, curling on the end, black, yellow on it, dying. So I've been pulling right. those off. New fresh shoots are coming through, but eventually even they are dying. Right. Now, the thing that you've got is not 100% hardy. Now, ah. how, many, how many years have you had it in the ground? Four years. Four years. I'm trying to work backwards and think, have we had cold winters in the last four years? We have, haven't we? Um, Wet. Is it in a wet spot? Because what they don't like is too much water and very harsh weather. No. Well, it gets the rain and it rains. I must say one thing. These plants, I've got a couple of these, they're very good at producing babies. All of a sudden you look and there's another one which has come off of like um, the root of it. Like yeah. a dahlia, you know, they have a tuber, yeah. that's it. It's got lots of babies all coming around it, but the actual, what I call it, the parents, because I've got two together, green, black, or horrible spot. Mm. Keep, keep, keep with it. Don't, yeah. don't just whip it out. See how it gets through the next few months before yeah. you take it out. But I think it's a weather problem. I know a pal of mine who I trained with all those years ago, he had a bed of that one and some other ones, uh, some other varieties, and he lost them in the winter of 64, I think. Um, I'm oh. going back a long way, when we had lots of snow. And oh, I think the weeks then, yeah. Yes, and he lost the lot. So, you know, they aren't that hardy, but... It's. I, I hang on in. Don't don't give up. And can you come back to us, John, and let us know how it gets on? The um, strange part about this plant is the actual flowering part of it is like a broom handle, which can get to six, seven, eight foot, and then with like a red hot poker piece on the end. <laughs> they are a funny one, aren't they? That's eh? Peculiar. But I keep breaking off these these. I call it leaves. Well, they uh, are. Yeah. Fresh ones are coming through, but I can't keep doing it. But I'll leave it as you say. I'll try. Keep going for the next... You've got to get it through till... We see, we're only in January. You've got to get through till March when it starts to warm up to let us know how you get on. How about that, John? Yeah? expensive to buy as well, these. I didn't want to do that. No. Thanks very much, thank, thank you, John. They are. There's a man with a bit of an unusual plant, as we have often plenty of those. We're going to go to Sheila... Uh, Sheila in Pebmarsh. Hello, Sheila. You're asking about apples? You're up in yes. Suffolk, aren't you? Is um, that yeah, well, I am today. <laughs> you are today. <laughs> but, uh, I'm, I'm asking about uh, Pemarsh. Um, we've got a very nice orchard with, with lots of variety of apples, um, and we suffer from bitter pit very badly. Now, I did phone you before about a couple of years ago, and you said chalk or chalk sort of stuff. Yep. Well, it is a farm, and we've got plenty of what they use on the fields, chalk stuff. Yep. Um, so we've put loads of that round and, and uh, got it, dug it in a bit, you know, around the roots, not too deep, but just in. But we're still getting a bit of pit right. very badly, okay. especially on the Bramley. Right. It's, yeah, Bramley is one that does actually suffer with it quite badly, but it's not just the chalk that can help. And the other problem is, which is something you most likely can do absolutely nothing about, it's the water content that's going into the tree. Now, if it, if it goes through a period of where it's wet and it's dry with gaps, do you know what I mean? A longish dry yeah. period, then a wet period, then a dry period. This also produces bitter pit. Oh, So yeah. it, it could be just that. Yes. And oh, there's well, nothing it, it, we can do about it. You're doing yeah. the right thing. Have you reduced it, do you feel? Um, no, I think some of the other varieties are getting it now, which didn't have it to start with. Yeah. It's not catching, it's purely... Uh, physiological through the roots and the ground and there's nothing you can do with it other than try adding uh, try adding chalk and lime and that's all you can do and yeah. other than that it's water and I imagine it's an orchard and therefore you can't do a lot about it with irrigation well, we can, can you? water we've got a long hose but <laughs> I don't know if it's you know if, if watering would help you know if it's dry, too dry if, do you think if you, yes it would if you get a very dry period give it a good soak but I mean yeah. you're talking about hours of water to get to the feeder roots well we've got a borehole so we don't ah. pay for it <laughs> 
Go for it, Sheila. Go for it this summer. Because remember, we're actually in quite a dry period at the moment. And they're talking about us going into a dry period. So have a a look. Can you let us know how how this year is? Yes, yes. Thank you very much. The BBC Essex Gardening Hour with Ken Crowther. Every Saturday from 11. Amaryllis, is that right? Jean, we're talking about... I've had two in my greenhouse from last year. I bought them back indoors and I fed them, put them on the windowsill and they immediately started to grow. Mm. And the leaves, I've got about four leaves on both of them, about 12 to 14 inches high. Good, yeah. And they're not producing a flower. There's no flower at all showing at all and they're new ones. No, I keep looking in the middle to see the the stem come up for the flower and there's nothing there. Now these are new ones, aren't they, you said? They're not last year's, were they? Oh, yes. They're last year's. Right, OK, yes, they sometimes take... I, I did all followed what you say yep. about them, Marissa, and cut them down and let them die off and cut them back and put them in the greenhouse for the winter. Yep. No and then pro- I bought them out again, yep. bought they... them indoors and fed them. Right, OK. Sometimes they will not flower in their second year. They just need to recoup. So grow, oh. it, grow it as a green plant. Don't cut the leaves off till they've gone yellow. Right. Keep feeding it. Feed it with a good houseplant food. Yes. Through this period now. Right. Uh, and then do as you did last year. Go into the summer, pop it outside, let it enjoy the summer weather, dry it off, and then start it again next year. Sometimes it's because they've been forced, the, the year, forced in the year that it is a new bulb, that yes. sometimes the second one, they just take a bit of a rest. All right? Should they do bloom every year though should they come back or are they a lifespan no a lot of people will find that they can achieve getting them to flower every year but sometimes they don't in that first year however people will now ring me up and say yes they've done it and people yes come on give us a call tell me how you do it oh 300 200 40 41 all right gene Thank you. OK, let us know how you get on next year. <laughs> it's terrible, isn't it? And let's go to Rita now. Hello, Rita. Hello. Um, Sorry um, to keep you waiting a bit. On about my red robin, um, I've got lots of black spots on them. Right, OK. It's um, it's called a fatinia spot. It's basically a spot. Um, it's a fungal infection that lots of plants get. Um, it is not... It hasn't jumped from, say, your roses or anything else. It is no. a black spot that is prone to Fatinia red robins. Now, it's usually caused by stress if they've dried out or they're sitting in too much water. Have either of those things happened to it, do you think? Well, well, yes, it could be because I don't get a lot of sun up that end. Well, not, we won't get a lot yeah. of sun now, but yeah. um, uh, it could be the water. Too much water. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm not watering it, but um, you know we do get. Um, no, if it's a hill. wet, yeah, if it's a wet spot of the garden, it will, it can sometimes struggle quite a bit there. So, right. uh, there's not a lot you can do for it when it's produced all its lovely red. Is it produced starting to produce those red uh, leaves? <clears throat> no, not yet. Um, I mean, I had some quite a lot last, you know, right. at the end of the year. Well, after it's produced those, why not try trimming it back a little bit? How high is it at the moment? Uh, I would say only about two foot. Two foot. Okay. It's just... only about two years old. Right. Okay. Don't prune it then if it's only a couple of feet high, but give it a good feed in March and try and encourage it in. Anything simple like grow more, any normal sort of fertiliser, give it a good feed and I think you should be able to boost it up and then see that you clear up any leaf that drops because it will sp- spread back onto the plant if you don't clear the dead leaves because those black spots eventually the leaves drop don't they yeah that's right yeah clean them up and get rid of them out your garden all right yes Uh, can i ask you one more question kushkan i've got a a skimmia well i've got two yeah and i was thinking of moving it back uh where you don't get a lot of sun at all okay um you know a big oak tree would it be okay to move that later on? How old is that one? Oh, that must be about four or five years. If you can dig it up with enough soil around it, yes, the answer is yes, you can. Right. But you've got to dig it up with a biggish root ball if it's been in the ground that long. Okay, then. All right. 
Okay, thank you so much. That's a pleasure. And yeah, bye bye there. Sorry to have kept Jim waiting from Leoncy. Hello, Jim. Oh, good morning, Ken. Um, I've got some celeriac seeds. I've yep. not grown celeriac before. Mm-hmm. I just wonder about any sort of do's and don'ts with it. And is it prone to? Th- I mean, I, you know, like the brassicas get the butterflies on. Are there any UBGs that might come along? The only, the... the only trouble I found with celeriac is that sometimes it doesn't form the bowl, and that is often because. Um, when after germination you get a dry spell i found the most important thing is a see that you water them you know give it a nice moist drill to put them in don't yeah. put them in too early because you know people are getting keen on putting seeds in but you, we're in january we've got to wait till you know march into april when we get some warmth in the soil mm-hmm. yeah well, and I, if, I was going to put it into a seed tray first. Right, yes, yeah, start them off in a seed tray and move them on. You can do that. But the most important thing is to not let them dry out when they're in the ground because that's when you'll have trouble. Okay, well, thank you very much. Yeah? Uh, will they, um, once they sort of mature at the end of yeah. the year, can you leave them in the ground? or they? Uh... You can leave them in the ground well into the autumn, yes. It's oh, not good. a problem. Oh, and they're lovely. I, I mean, I like them salad... Uh, you know, grated with, mixed up with uh, different things. You can grate them in with putting in celery and all sorts of things and a bit of mayonnaise. They're really nice. Yeah. Oh, brilliant. Okay, thank you And not much only that, you can cook them as well. You can do vice, everything with celery. It's a real good, good veg to grow. All right? Oh, okay, cheers. Thank Jim, you very much. Jim, keep in touch. Let us know how you get on with them. We want to hear from you on your successes as well as your things that go wrong. Michael from Great Dumbo. Hello, Michael. Yeah, from Great Baddo, sorry. Oh, sorry, Great Baddo, it's the screen. <laughs> Just cuts off that and I've read it. <laughs> yeah. Hello there, uh, Michael. Hello. Runner bean seeds. I've kept them from last year. They're still in the pods. Yeah. Should I pop them out of the pods and put them in a paper yes. bag in the dark? Yeah, in yeah you should have really. As they dry, you normally, most people, I mean, I always remember my old dad used to do it. He used to pop them out. As soon as they go dry and crusty, pop them out. And we used to, he used to keep them in a jar to keep them dry and safe from getting any weevils because sometimes they wear a weevil into them. So that's what oh, you have to watch for. They seem for. absolutely fine. But yeah. also, is it worth keeping them from last year or should yes. you go and buy new packets? Well, I suppose, you know, if I was a retailer, I'd say go out and buy a new packet. But my dad... No, my dad used to, honestly, he grew them for years from seed to seed to seed. If you've got a good variety and it works, generally you'll get a good crop. But important would be important, don't, you know, sow them this year. Uh, But also, I try another variety as well. I, I always go out... Bean seed is cheap. Go out and buy... Try something different as well. I what one are you? These are, what? these are the white ones. I forget what the name is. I, ah. it. I know what they are. Well, there's and la- they're, lady. And, and they're very, very good. Lady Die was one of those. No, now, it's not that one. <laughs> I know. No. If you saw, I can't remember it. But anyway, I, I knew about that one. The white. I, I, the I white. It all. The white one is very good for sowing late. If you put a, a white one in late, and I mean late, you can get them to run right into the autumn. Whereas if you plant some of the, uh, you know, the scarlet ones in the early part of the season, and even if you plant, get the scarlets in early. So plant the scarlet early and then go into a white later on, and you'll find that you can expand your bean season dramatically. Oh, right, that's good information. Yeah. Okay, then, but I'll, I'll carry on and give it another word. I didn't know what it was worth doing and finding out that yes, um, I should have bought new ones. No, you'll be fine. Okay, thanks, <laughs> thanks very much. Cheers. Pleasure. Bye. Bean seeds you should be able to keep for... Uh, my dad used to not always use them all, and he sometimes used to plant them the year after. As long as they're kept dry, cool, and clean, and he kept them in... I remember in the garage, in a cupboard in jars and that's how he kept them and it worked really well indeed so we now go to i'm gonna have another cough <coughs> and we're gonna to go to paul in coggershaw hello paul hello ken ken i've got a, um, um thanks i've got i want to move and establish rows how um, now hang on right. we start my first question is going to be how established is it she's been in about seven years ken that's Rose. quite Grows about seven, eight foot tall every year, and she's yep. absolutely superb. What it is, it's up next next to a, an old shed that I want to take down. It's rotted, right. and I've got to take it down, and it's literally up against it. So I want to. I said, I thought I'll give you a ring and ask you 
you know, what's the possible right. way to do it? Well, the answer is that it's not going to be happy being moved, but I, you yeah. should get away with it, is the answer. Okay. Now, the most, most important thing is that you don't dig too close to it when yeah. you're lifting it yeah. out. But remember, it will send a taproot. Rosie's put a taproot down. So you want to dig away from it and then go under it, and you'll cut that taproot. Yeah. What's a taproot? That's the one that goes straight down. Like a, We call it a tap because it goes down, down and down yeah, and down. Yeah, fine. Yeah? yeah, and yeah, it's yeah. the longest route. You'll find that you've got a couple of heavy roots, and then some. the trouble is with roses, they're mainly heavy roots with little... Um, like hairs on the on on the yeah. roots, which is where the feeding all happens. Yeah. So there is a risk, but if you can get it out, is it in a heavy soil or a light soil? Heavy, I'd say. Heavy. Well, heavy might make it easier because if you dig right round it, yeah, yes. and keep that soil together, yes, then pull it, push it together onto a piece of polythene, and then lift it carefully up with the polythene round it. Dig your hole, yes, and then pop it straight into the hole. I think you'll get away with it. How deep do you dig the hole, Ken? It's got to be the same depth as the amount of soil you put back, so it's got to end up the same height. Right, yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. That's a bit yeah. tricky because you might go over and think, oh, blooming heck, I've dug too um, deeply. Yeah? Sorry, one more time of year to do it? Now, right now. Is it? You're okay. spot on, yes. Yeah, okay. All oh, right. fantastic, yeah. Yeah, thanks very much, mate. Okay. Thanks. Pleasure. Yeah. They are man moving a rose bush. Have you moved a rose bush that's been over two years old? You let me know. 0300 200 4041. What were your successful tips? 81333. You can pop a message on there and I will get it straight into the studio. That's 81333. Pop Essex on the front. Uh, now, let's go to Eve in Harlow. She's given us a call on 0300 200 4041. That's 0300 200 4041. That's the number to call. And we are talking gardening all the way through till 12. Give Ken a call and I'll chat to you about gardening. Let's uh, now go to Eve in Harlow. Hello, Eve. Morning. Morning um, to you. It's just a, a query, actually. Um, if you've got potatoes that have got black spot on the outside, you know, mm. on the skins, yeah. are they edible? A black spot is usually caused by a fungal infection, yeah, uh, which mm -hmm. sometimes affects the potato. But, um, in fact, I even bought some potatoes that this happened to the other day from, um, I won't say where I bought them from, but they had ended up with black spots on them. And what I did is I peeled down until the black spot and mark disappeared. Because what you'll find is behind the black spot on the skin, you'll find it marks the flesh. Yeah? Yes. Um, is I it just, harmful? No. Doesn't do you any harm oh. at all. No, it's... Oh, awesome. The only one you must always avoid is a green potato. If they go green, they are poisonous. Yeah? Yeah. But yeah. you're talking about a black spot, which is just That's an infection. Black yeah. spot on the outside, yeah. Nothing much yeah. to worry about. All right? Lovely. Are they, yes. Thank are they you some, very much for your help. Eve, Eve, are they some you've grown? They're ones you've grown yourself, are they? Uh, no, no, actually, um, I bought some jacket potatoes. Oh, I see, and they've, they've gone like that. Yeah. Yep, no no problem at all, Eve. You just enjoy them, all right? Thank you, bye. <laughs> Julie and Ant in Malden. They're buying a veg truck. Have you got a veg truck? What are you growing your veg truck? Now, that is a large veg truck. It's funny how people put 1.8-metre veg truck. I mean, that's not a truck that you put under your arm like Monty Don does and walk round the garden picking the odd flower, is it? No, he's growing. He want, they want to grow stuff in it. Basically, you can grow anything in them that's not too tall. So if you think about it, you know, I like them for growing things like um, salad vegetables. They would grow very well in it. Uh, but equally, if you actually wanted to grow potatoes in it, you could. You can grow cabbages in them. You can grow anything in them. But I think they're better suited to things like bush tomatoes, salad crops, um, maybe a line of spinach at one end. You can pick then spinach at the right height all the time. That's a good way of doing it. So really anything. But see that the compost that you put in is a good compost. Because if you can get a good compost into there, it, it'll work really well for you. So they are. That's something that I think you should definitely go for. Veg trucks, put it on the 
put it by the back door. You can grow a few herbs in it, anything like that. I was having a quick look at Grow Your Own this week, and in Grow Your Own, it's got a vote and win. And it's got a voting page. And it goes through absolutely everything. You know, the most inspiring vegetable garden to visit, the best gardening event, the new kitchen garden, the most entertaining kitchen garden TV and radio programme. And it hasn't got the phone out, hasn't got the phone in hour here. And up the top it says the most trusted celebrity gardener. And it's got Alan Titchmarsh, Charlie Dimmock, Christine Walton, Monty Don, Carol Klein, and then there's a great gap. Well, it hasn't got Ken Crowther down there. So I tell you what, if you, if you, if you, what do you, I mean, you know, what do you think? I mean, you know, people ring up for advice, don't they, June? What do you reckon? Do you reckon, June, that Ken Crowther should be the most trusted celebrity gardener on the list? What yeah, do you reckon? Well, I just wondered, I need to get a bit tall in the extension. <laughs> Tell me more. Come on, June. I reckon. Anyway, if you get the chance to vote, you know to vote for, don't you? Grow your own in the in the uh, in this in this celebrity section. Vote and win. It says, and you can win something as well. Best mm-hmm. pest control. Anyway, back to you, June, because you're more important because you're on the phone and you've rung us on oh three hundred two hundred forty forty one. What would you like to know, June? Well, I've got a bamboo. It come in a bunch of flowers uh, in oh, May. Is that that lucky? Is that the lucky Chinese bamboo? Do you think? Well, it's grown so much. Yeah. Has it and got? I wondered if it uh, can go in the garden or. Depends which one it is. Yeah. Has it got roots on it? Has it produced roots? Oh yeah, it got a lot of leaves on it. No, has it got roots at the other end? Can you see any roots on the bottom? Oh yes, yes it has. Right, well the biggest problem will be is when you put it in a pot, you want to get it into a pot first, but you have to be very careful because what you do is, if you're not careful is, that you knock those roots off as you put it into the compost, Mm because as you press down the little tiny feeding roots they come off, so be very careful when you pot it up, but yes you can pot it into a pot, see how it grows, but a lot of the if if it's one of the um, lucky bamboos as I call them um, mm-hmm. It won't be hundred percent hardy. No. All right. So okay then. But it's got uh, uh, quite a few leaves on it. Yep. Yeah. Potted. Can you, June, pot it up and let us know how you get on with it. Can you? Okay then, Ken. And we'll come back to you. Can come back to me and let me know what's going on with it. Uh, All right, okay. June. Yes, okay. Boy. Thanks very much, June. Ken Crowther, answering your gardening questions. This is BBC Essex. Hello, Dorothy. Oh, hello, Ken. I'm ringing about veg drugs. Yes, tell me more. Yes, well, my husband very cheekily has copied one that we saw in a garden centre. Yeah. It's absolutely beautiful. It's one of the big ones. And I did grow a few vegetables last year in it. Mm -hmm. As you said yourself, you can't grow anything big, so it's very limiting. But once I had taken out all the old stuff and and it it just became compost, you know, empty but with compost in it, I have grown spring... I've put spring bulbs in there. That's a good idea. It's going to be an absolute picture, hopefully, (laughs) just outside my kitchen window... So I'm really looking forward to that. And, of course, it's ideal for small things like that or even bigger things. So Julian Ant in Malden, they were saying what could they plant in it. Did you, you said you found it restricting, but I was saying that you could plant most, veg, you know, most salad crops, particularly lettuce, spinach would grow quite oh, well. Oh, yes, you could. Yes, you can grow small things like that. I grew beetroot and I even... Carrots put... you can put in, can't you? I didn't try cabbage. I thought they'd spread too big. Mm. But I did take a chance and put a row right in the centre, which is the deepest part. I put a row of French beans. Yeah. Did they um, work well? Uh, they were, They did grow all right, and I put little sticks in to help them. And I did have some beans. They didn't get too big. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and as I say, I grew the beetroot. Beetroot. Anything else that you can give uh, Julian Ant an idea on? Um, do you know, now I've got the bulbs in there, I'm, I can't 
You Get can't think what was in there, can you? What was in there last year? I'll tell you what I've seen. Strawberries on the edge, so they hang down with strawberries coming, you know, hanging over the edge to keep them nice and clean. That That's works quite idea. well. And yes. also runner beans and climbing French beans. Again, not going up, but going down. Because it's off the ground, you can let them trail down. So that's another ah, way. Ah, yes, I hadn't thought of that. Yeah, hey, Dorothy, you can try a few things, a few different things this yes, year. Yes, but um, tell your your listeners with have uh, just got their new drug. Um, did they buy it or did they make it? No, they bought it. No, they're, they're thinking of buying one. Thinking of buying one. Oh. So you're so you're saying to Julian Ant, well, I'll be very unpopular with the garden centre. You're saying to them, go out and have a look at one, and then build your own. Is that what you're saying? Well, that's what we did, because <laughs> my husband is excellent at woodwork. Well, there you are. He what? can make anything, so he's made an absolute beautiful thing. Yeah. Good. Let's hope, let's hope Ant's listening and he can let us know. He, perhaps he'd like to give us a call and say, is he any good at woodwork? 0300 200 40 41. And perhaps he'd like to build his own as well to save on spending. I'll be, I'll be upset in the county. They'll be all on the phone. Yeah. I know, you'll be on the phone saying that, Ken Crowder, telling you to go and make your own trucks. Let's now go to Chris in Colchester, who's given us a call. Hello, Chris. Good morning, Ken. Uh, planting bare root apple trees. Yes. I've now come across two very contrary methods. I've always dug a quite a big hole, chucked all the muck and root grow I can put into it and then put the tree in. Don't, uh, we don't. Up. We don't do that anymore. We don't do that anymore, no. do we? <laughs> uh, uh, now it's just a minimal hole, little bit of disturbance in the bottom, nothing else, but just plonk the tree in and let no. it fight. Which uh, is the case right. you uh, I think. A, I think a combination. I, I don't think. I don't think it's quite right. The minimal hole. Minimal hole. I don't agree with. Because um, a you've got to if it's a if it's a bare root tree you've got to see that the roots are able to be naturally spread. So if you held the tree in your hand, you've got mm -hmm. to look at the root and say, okay, the roots are one foot wide, for an example. Yeah. Yeah. Then what mm -hmm. I would do is dig my hole perhaps eighteen inches to two foot round. Yeah. Yeah. Then you've got to look at the collar. Now, the collar is where the tree has been growing up until now. There's a dark mark where it's been growing in the ground so far. And that yeah, to the that's to the bottom of the root is the depth. Now, then what I do is I do another six inches below. I then loosen the soil in the bottom and then add some of what I've dug out. But what you do with the dig out is you add your root grow, you add your compost before you reinsert it. So what you're trying to do, the danger what we used to do is we used to dig these holes, particularly in clay soil, chuck compost in, chuck the roots back in, and actually what, mm -hmm. we, what we achieve is producing a pond because yeah. it's a heavy soil. I don't know whether you're at Colchester, can be on yeah. light soil. You're on light I'm, soil, I'm on extremely light. If I dig yeah. down two feet, I'm into red sand. Yeah. So that's what I would do. But see, you mix everything in with this soil that you've dug out before you backfill. And then fill it as it goes. Shake the tree as you plant it, because that puts mm -hmm. the, the soil underneath it as well. And then give it a blooming good heave-ho with your, with your heel as you push it back in. Yeah. How about that? Then, uh, then, yeah. you'll, then you'll come to the... Um, the next thing is, of course, everybody's changed their mind on how you stake trees today. Uh, a lot of traditional people still put a, a tree stake up the side of the stem with a good uh, fixer. Use a, use a tree tie because that spaces the tree from touching the actual wood of the stake. Other people yeah. are angling their tree stakes at 45 degrees, quite close to the base, because the answer is that the top doesn't have to be secured it is the root that needs to be secured because the root will then, uh, if you put an angle one in, it'll hold the root nice and firm, and that way the roots will then grow quicker and hold the top together. How about that? Yeah. Yeah. Any, so any good? Sort of middle of the road. On I'm that a thing. very you're middle not, of the middle of the road. You're not the minimalist. Do no. Very little and no. uh, let the let the tree fight. No, die. <laughs> give it a chance. Give it. What varieties have you grown? Are you have you got then, Chris? Oh, there'll be uh, probably a discovery apple going in. Yeah, have you got a, a pollinator nearby or? 
I've got several uh, crabs and very. Uh, oh, you'll be fine uh, then. Yeah, yep. there should be quite quite a few apple trees around. Dis- yeah. Discovery is a very underrated tree. Lovely early one. My dad had one in his garden, and I was, can always remember picking them before I used to go to school. So you've got a good tree yep. there. Okay, Chris. Yep. Cheers. Bye. Bye bye there. And we go to Sharon. Uh, Sharon in Langdon. Hello, Sharon. Hi, Ken. How are you? Well, I'm fine, but what's mm-hmm. up with your banana then, eh? I oh, know, they're dead. Oh, I think they're dead. I'm not sure I can salvage them. Now, Mum has recently on. moved into the house. Okay, yeah. And I didn't realise that they needed protecting. I should have, but we've been so busy with doing lots of other things. Mm. Just totally forgot about the garden and neglected it. Right. And oh, then the, when the, I looked out this week, there's just long brown dead leaves coming out from the ground. Right. Are they in pots? Or they're in the ground. No, they're all in the ground? They're in the ground, yeah. They're all in the ground, right. Them. Okay. It depends which variety it is. Some are hardier than others. I would not panic at this stage. Um, The only thing you can feel is if you go to the centre and press it or feel it, if it's totally gungy, and I mean gungy like, you know, old mud, it will have rotted completely. But if not, just remove those dead leaves. Put something... If if you haven't got any straw, I would still put a bit of, say... Uh, fleece, horticultural fleece over the top of them just to protect them because you never know what's around the corner in weather, yeah. do we at all? So what would and I do normally though? Say they do come back, I, next I w- year what would I do? Cover the bottoms, all the roots up? No, it's not the it is that crown that you're looking after crown and okay. surrounding ground and basically um, if they're in the ground I put a bit of um, straw covered in horticultural fleece so you produce a, a sort of mound and then yeah. pin it down around it and that's what you have to do okay but if they're mushy they've totally gone if they're mushy they have totally gone yeah oh dear all right oh, don't give ahead, up yet Ken. don't don't give no, up yet do. sharon right, come back come back and let me know how you get on with that because we like to, we like to hear good news oh. and bad news all right all right i will do thank <laughs> okay. you The BBC Essex Gardening Hour with Ken Crowther, every Saturday from 11. See, it's amazing what people are growing in their trugs in their garden, Um, and it's interesting to see that, again, you see, this is, uh, again, Sue has emailed in to say that, you know, she does the same sort of thing as we heard about before with the flowers, and she puts displays of pansies in the trug and winter flowering stuff. So there there is plenty of things that you can grow in your trug. And, yes, you could do just the same, and you could be a bit cheeky, and <laughs> go along coffee, coffee. You could even take your tape measure, couldn't you? Measure it up and then copy it exactly. So give us a call now. We can fit your call in on 0300 200 40 41. That's 0300 200 40 41. It's as simple as that. And uh, let's now go and discuss here. We've got a question about, we should have Dave in, shouldn't we? Dave Gillam, because he's our daily expert. I forgot to dig up my dahlia tubers at the start of the winter. Will they survive, asked Sally in Chelmsford. Well, this is the same sort of question as the one about the banana, because, um, you know, the, the banana is the same thing, is if it has got through the winter, it will. If it's, if it's got frosted or damaged by the winter, it won't of. So that, that's what we're up against. If the cold has got the cold and wet has got to the tuber, it will have gone mushy. But if you left them in, leave well alone. I wouldn't bother trying to dig it up at this time of the year at all, because uh, you really, you know, it's too late to worry about that at all. Hey, oh, that's Will. That's Sally in Chelmsford. So leave well alone. I wouldn't bother protecting it. You could put a bit of uh, bark chip over the top of it if you get a chance, um, and that might protect it just a little bit. But uh, That's all you need to do. Uh, It's now the time to begin some of the veggie seeds indoors, like chilli and aubergine, asked Tom in Morden. Yes, you can. You can start a few things off. Chilli, particularly aubergine, I think you're a little bit early, depending on whether you've got a glass house to put it in. Have you got a greenhouse that you can go out to and put it in? And that's what it will depend on. Simple. It's, it's, It's really... The danger is, if you're growing stuff a little bit too early... You then try and grow it on indoors, it gets leggy, and then it doesn't transfer very well. So that's the thing. Think about where and when you're going to grow stuff on before you set the seed. 
but uh, chilies often are grown on windowsills, so you could be growing your, your chilies on on the on the on the side of the windowsill in the kitchen. Good place to grow them. Thanks very much for your text. You can still text me on eight one triple three. Put Essex on the front and 0300 200 4041. We've got a line free at the moment. Let's now go to the phones and talk to Jean and Basil. Hello, Jean. Hello, Ken. Um, my question is, I've got two oleanders. Yep. Um, I think that's what they're called. Um, in pots. When I bought them about three years ago, four years. Um, they had the flowering shoots on them, yep. but since then, um, I've had no no flowers on them. Okay. They did look as if the um, weather had got to them a bit last year, but um, they've come on lovely now. You know, they look mm. quite healthy. Right, oleanders. They like being in pots. Um, they like being kept dry. Where are you keeping them? Are they outside all the time? Outside, yes. All yes. the time. All the time. Do you yes. protect? Do you, are they on a, uh, do you tuck them up against the wall to keep them a bit protected in the winter? Yes, yeah. Good. Yeah. And are they one sal- of them's up against the wall. Good. <clears throat> Sorry, the other one's by some bushes. Right, OK. And are they south-facing so they get plenty of sun? Yes, yes. Good. Right, well, the important thing is that when they, when they start to grow again is that you feed them as soon as they start to grow. Now, what I would do, if they haven't flowered lately, I would give them tomato food. If the leaves are good and healthy looking, which they sound as if they are, because you're just saying mm-hmm. they're growing well but they're not flowering, don't worry about feeding them a general food. Give them tomato food to encourage them into flower. Now, remember that if we don't get a long, warm summer like last year wasn't, a lot of oleander didn't flower last year because it didn't get that late flowering period. So, so as soon as you get into sort of, say, end of March, start tomato food on a regular basis and you might be able to persuade them to flower a bit later on. All right? Oh, lovely. Thank not, you very much. And not too right. much water. Keep them on the dry side. Right. Okay, then. All right. Yep. That's Thanks, Ken. Yeah. Bye-bye there. That's Jean in Basildon. And we go to Steve in Wickford. Hello, Steve. Yeah, hi, Ken. Hi. Um, well, this is a rhubarb question, Ken, really. Right, yeah. We've been growing some di- different types of rhubarb um, over the recent years, and most of them, in all fairness, have been really nice. Last year, the rhubarb was actually tasteless. Um, you know, and I've tried a few different like recipes, but uh, the actual rhubarb was tasteless. Is there anything you can put in the ground or add to the well, ground that would give you a better flavour? Not the only thing that improves rhubarb is good amount of sort of compost and manure. You know, um, that is how you well, get I've your been putting manure on there and, and ah, you know, it's, ah, it's ah, hang on, hang on, hang on. I reckon you if have you put in loads of chicken manure around them? Well, quite a bit, yeah. I think you've overdosed it. What you've done is you've encouraged growth. Now, if you put too much nitrogen-based fertiliser around a rhubarb, it'll try growing too much. So what it'll produce is loads of stem, loads of... I bet it did produce loads of stems and loads of lovely green leaves. Yeah? Oh, it's massive, yeah. Massive. You've you've overdone it. So actually, you've cut out all the food this year completely, and I think you'll get your taste back. Because what you know, this is what happens. It, it, you know, there's there's a balance between growing and producing, t- well, flower, fruit, and taste, and it's a balance between the two. So I think give up on that. If anything, only feed it a potash-based fertilizer. All right. Thank you. All right. And when you're making your rhubarb, don't forget that you can let me know because I do like to know that uh, your rhubarb is tasting good or better than it did before. We go to Roger in Boxted. Hello, Roger. Hi, good morning, Ken. Um, what it is, it's a question about uh, a monkey bush. I had it in a yep. pot for a few years. Mm-hmm. And two years ago, I, I planted it out in the garden. Yeah. But it's gone a bit crazy, so I now need to move it. I need to know if I can, when I can, and how I can. So this is, a, is this the monkey puzzle tree? Yeah, yeah. yeah. When it, it was a, it, when it was in the pot, it was a bush. Now I'm beginning to call it a tree. It, they are. They're big. They grow as high as houses, don't they? Yeah. Um, right. So you've had it in the ground how long? 
It's been in there for two summers. Two summers, right. So if it's been in there for two summers, I reckon you could move it. I would move it now. Uh, are you? What are you going to do with it? Just move its position? Move its position, yeah. Be very careful with the moving. Um, a, it's, they're vicious, aren't they? I mean, the, yep. the, the leaves are vicious. You need to big, dig round it, but a long way from the stem so that you get your biggest amount of soil with it, what we call a root ball with it, that you can actually lift easily. Okay. That's the most important thing, you know, is, is see that you get, you know, a big root ball. Now, one of the ways I do it is I always, um, always put a... Um, a piece of polythene down next to where I'm digging it out from. Mm-hmm. Your hole's already prepared. And you can lift it out, pop it on the polythene, then you can, if it's a heavy root ball, you can drag the polythene to the new position. Okay. Then you put the polythene and the plant in the hole and then pull the polythene away. Okay. All right? Like a magician with his table trick. You got it. Just the job. You're exactly saying what I'm saying. How about that? Okay, thanks for your help. Okay, that's a pleasure. That's Roger in Boxstead. And uh, Samantha has sent us a text from Shafford 100. Can I prune my plum tree or is it too late or too early? Well, it's definitely um, too late and it's definitely too early because you don't prune a stone fruits in the winter because they can get bacterial infections like bacterial canker and different things like that. So, in fact, you're spot on. And the best time to prune a plum tree is after it's fruited. That's what my old uncle had a plum orchard down in Kent. And I always remember going there in the summer holidays and we'd actually it was always very exciting because I was only a youngster. And I used to go on the, in the truck and deliver plums to up to Covent Garden in London <laughs> and Levla gooseberries so that was my excitement for the year and then he used to have a team of people come in and they would prune all the plum trees straight after fruiting so samantha you haven't got to worry till the summer with your plum tree it's as simple as that the bbc essex gardening hour with ken crowther Thanks very much for listening to the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast. And if you missed any of the answers to the questions we gave, you can download this programme and take it with you wherever you go via our website, bbc.co.uk slash bbcessex. Next week, my guest will be Tom Cole, lecturer at the Rittle University College round the corner. Don't forget, if you have a gardening question for us, why not give us a call? During the programme, yes, Saturdays at 11 o'clock, 0300 200 40 41. The BBC Essex Gardening Hour with Ken Crowther. Every Saturday from 11.